On episode 301 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to master your mindset and excel under pressure. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the show. This is Mirban, and I'm happy to be back on the show. I hope you enjoyed my mega episode special on episode 300 last week. And I am finally rested and back. From the summit, uh, Tennis Summit 2023 was pretty amazing. We had about 9,000 people attend and we had a blast. And there's so much great information there. And in past years, uh, it's taken me a while to review all you know the golden nuggets there that are really transformative uh, or can be in your tennis game if you put them to, uh, into action. And so... I decided to start studying quicker than I normally would, and I was pouring over the mental game sessions in particular because the mental game is so undervalued and um, underpracticed. You know, as one of the guests said, if you ask a player how much time they spend practicing their mental game versus technique, strategy, and fitness, most likely. The mental game percentage would be somewhere around 0%, <laughs> you know, so I wanted to make it a point to myself to try to pick out the best advice from, from many of the sessions. And so I decided, you know what, I've made all these notes. Why don't I just share them with the Tennis Files podcast community? that is yourself, which I appreciate your support so much. So I'm going to present to you some of the, uh, the notes that I made. So some of the notes that I made from Dr. Larry Lauer, who is a mental game uh, skills specialist um, with a USA Player Development, is that you need to have a growth mindset. You need to make it your constant goal to improve, to get better every single day. And of course, I won't mean that you never have days where you don't feel like you're not improving. Um, of course, there's going to be some days where, okay, maybe I you know, stayed where I was, maybe I took a step back. But when you wake up the next day, you've got to challenge yourself to be just a little bit better than you were yesterday. And you know, over time, you're going to make a lot of big jumps. And Larry mentioned uh, something really powerful called a three-step process of awareness, developing your mental skill set, and setting process-oriented goals. These are the three keys from Dr. Larry Lauer to help you improve your mental game. And so the first one, awareness, you need to know when the pressure is on, you need to be aware of how you react. Uh, when the pressure is on, are you changing your game? Are you making different decisions? Are you rushing yourself, maybe you're rushing your serve routine, for example, or you're trying to end the point earlier than you normally do, which I've actually found with myself when I'm under pressure, that's what I do um, a lot of the times. So definitely be aware of that uh, if that's happening. 
and take notes about what you're doing so that you can find solutions to them. And there's a second step is to develop your mental skill set. So there's a lot into this. It takes a lot of time, but it's well worth it. You know, you need to learn how to stay focused for longer, and you also need to learn how to refocus as quickly as possible when you lose your focus, which can happen many times in a match, undoubtedly. Uh, meditation is a great way to practice staying, staying focused and refocusing when you lose your focus, uh, which will transfer over to your tennis matches. Um, I love to meditate in the morning, and you can use apps like Calm or Headspace. Uh, there's many others as well. You don't need to use an app, but when you practice this in your daily life, then it will transfer over to your mental skill set during tennis matches. And also, in, in regards to staying focused for longer, you do want to do things like um, throwing your cell phone a in a, uh, a different room so that it doesn't distract you, because that's a big one, uh, which again, you know, that's a struggle that I have, many others have as well. And then uh, with your mental skill set, uh, included in that also is positive self-talk. So you want to ground your self-talk in positive action. For example, when you tell yourself, don't miss, your brain doesn't hear the don't part. So oh, that's a lot of negatives, by the way. <laughs> so it only will hear the action itself, miss. So when you say don't miss, your brain hears miss. Not good, right? So, uh, and also the more specific and concise, the better with your self-talk. Um, so things like hit with more spin, hit deeper returns, etc. And then visualization is also very powerful. Uh, when I interviewed James Blake a few years ago, he mentioned that he practiced visualization quite heavily before each of his matches, visualization, excuse me, <laughs> visualizing himself with specific point patterns, implementing them against his opponent. And so that's a great one to do as well to try out and see if that works for you. And then the third of the three-step process is to set process-oriented goals. So these sorts of goals are under your control as opposed to you know, goals like, um, you know, I, I want to win today, for example, or I want to get this ranking. It's much better to think about process-oriented goals. For example, set a goal to attack the backhand or hit the bigger targets. And setting these process-oriented goals will relieve your anxiety and give you a clear strategy, a game plan to implement and execute. And then one really cool one that incidentally... Uh, I was talking with my friend Will Hamilton from Fuzziola Balls. We uh, hit today, and he had mentioned that he practiced box breathing during a cold plunge. And uh, this is one technique of many that Dr. Lauer talked about as well. So box breathing consists of inhaling through your nose to a count of four and then holding your breath to another count of four then you exhale out through your nose or your mouth to a count of four. And then at the end of that exhale, hold your breath again for a count of four as well. So box breathing is really helpful to grab your focus and put it on your breath. So let's do one together here. We uh, inhale through your nose to a count of four. Hold your breath to another count of four. Then exhale out through your nose or your mouth to a count of four. And then at the end of the exhale, hold your breath again for a count of four. And there you go. 
That is box breathing. And then uh, another great presentation that we had on the summit was from Jeff Salzenstein, who reached top 100 in his 30s, which is super impressive. And uh, took a set off Michael Chang, very notably. So two of the biggest distractors to optimal performance that he mentioned during our interview was one, negative thoughts and some really fascinating uh, statistics about negative thoughts that I learned from him and who he learned from uh, mental skills conditioning coach Trevor Moad, who um, uh, is no longer with us, sadly. But what Jeff had recited from Trevor is that, first off, we have around 60,000 thoughts a day, which is unreal. And of those, 80% are negative on average. And also, 95% of these thoughts are the same thoughts you had the previous day. Uh, very interesting. And then more impactfully is that uh, research from Trevor showed that a negative thought is four to seven times more powerful than a positive thought. So, you know, thinking, and I hesitate to say a negative thought because now I'm going to have to make some ground up here, but, you know, uh, a negative thought of like, uh, obviously something like, I suck, uh, all of a sudden now that's going to be four to seven times more powerful than a positive thought of, I'm great. So that's no good. And then, uh, and this is bad news for what I just said uh, a second ago, speaking a thought out loud is 10 times more powerful than if you keep it to yourself. So if you say out loud, I suck, which I just did, which I am regretting again because of these statistics. Uh, if you say that, it's 10 times more powerful than if you just think about it in your mind. And, you know, a lot of us say the negative thoughts out loud. So think about that. Compare a spoken negative thought to a one positive thought in your brain uh, that you think about, you know, but you don't say. That spoken negative thought is, you know, four to seven times more powerful, the negative part of it. And then it being out loud is 10 times more powerful. So that means that one spoken negative thought is 40 to 70 times more powerful than one positive thought in your mind that you don't verbalize. That's no good. So, you know, baseline thought about this and, you know, obviously we can, some people might not believe the numbers, you know, how did we think about this, whatever. But, you know, this is research from a, you know, very credible mental skills conditioning coach and the takeaway here is that you need to become aware of the thoughts and the things that you say out loud and remove negative language as much as possible. Obviously, it is going to creep in there, but you can certainly massively um, reduce, uh, you know, especially the spoken out loud part. And, um, you know, again, kind of refer back to um, what Dr. Larry Lauer said about, you know, the uh, meditation to help you. Uh, focus and refocus that'll help with those negative thoughts. Uh, you know, the production of those are actually the uh, removal of them as well. Um, and yeah, so just just remember, I think if you remember these these statistics, um, it's going to really make you think twice or thrice about saying negative thoughts out loud. So yeah, a lot of a lot of ground to make up if you do that. Uh, and then uh, also Jeff emphasized as well breathing techniques to regulate your stress and emotion. Uh, one particular technique that you should look into is heart-focused breathing, 
where you actually focus on breathing into your heart because uh, there have been some studies that's shown that doing that uh, has you know reduced uh, greatly um, stress you know on yourself. And speaking of stress and emotion regulation, a big point that Jeff made in the second of the big of the two biggest detractors to optimal performance from Jeff is stress and emotion regulation here. So like anger, frustration, sadness, um, if you don't regulate them, they will deplete your energy and take you out of a coherent state, aka the flow state, which is when your body and mind are connected. So again, that's where you want to um, be aware of these emotions and then do things to you know, refocus, to uh, regulate um, these sorts of stresses and emotions, and that'll help you a lot uh, instead of keeping them with you. And then that's going to just make you tired and, and depleted. And so you can't really play tennis so well. So great uh, lesson so far, um, in my humble opinion. Uh, and then we go to Jeff Greenwald, who is a fantastic uh, mental game coach. Uh, Fearless Tennis is the brand that he's known for. And I uh, had the privilege to spend um, a couple of days with Jeff uh, a few weeks ago in Tampa at TennisCon Live, which was super fun. And I learned a lot from Jeff. Uh, and then we hopped on uh, a live stream for the Tennis Summit this year. And um, some points that Jeff made are that you need to set intentions and then prioritize them. I've seen this from a lot of high-performance athletes uh, just coming in with attention set and then, and then you know, uh, making sure that you make them happen, uh, whether that be, you know, as we discussed earlier, um, you know, simple strategies like hit deeper or attack the backhand or play more aggressively, things like that. And then um, Jeff emphasized practicing correct breathing techniques to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and to manage tension. So very related to it. And it's nice to, to hear, you know, all of these mental game experts so far mentioning the power of breathing techniques. I think, you know, one of the big strategies that you want to conduct in life is to, you know, examine what a lot of the best individuals say about something that you're trying to accomplish, you know, whether that's tennis or something else. And then if you hear, or when you hear the commonalities, when you hear, you know, the power of breathing in, in three out of the first three, you know, instructors, you know, they, it's not like they talked amongst themselves and say, oh, let's all, let's all mention breathing techniques. You know, they each prepared their own um, presentation. So when you hear those commonalities, that's something that you definitely want to focus on integrating into your life. So a big one there. And then as well, Jeff was a big fan or is a big fan of using visualization to build confidence. Uh, and you've heard of, um, you know, these instances where athletes, for example, they've gotten injured, but then they, you know, visualize themselves performing, you know, free throws or strokes and things like that. And they come back and it's like they didn't lose a step, uh, which is pretty incredible. But visualization is, again, another commonality that we've heard before today, a few months, minutes ago that you want to, um, to practice. You know, you've got Jeff. Jeff mentioning this, you know, top 100 player, formerly Je James Blake, you know, top four player in the world. And then you have Jeff Greenwald, top mental game expert in the world. So visualization, something you want to try out. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then a really powerful practice that Jeff demonstrated are, you know, it's essentially pressure dials where you want to understand your tension level. Um, and he did a really cool exercise with us where you grip the racket and then he, he asks you, you know, grip it at a level one, you know, level two, level three, and so on up to level 10 where you're, you know, squeezing the racket very tightly. And then you want to understand, you know, what level of tightness are you do you customarily use? And then also you can experiment with these different levels and figure out what level do you play your best at? Uh, Jeff had mentioned that he had actually been playing at a level seven for much of his career and did well. However, that wasn't actually his optimal level where I think he mentioned like a level four would be, would be the best for him. So definitely something to play around with. And it's fun too, to, to figure out the different tension levels, you know? Uh, maybe you wouldn't play so great at a level three, but someone else would play super well. So a lot of different factors that uh, determine, you know, what your optimal level is, but it's up to you to find that out. And then Jeff had, uh, mentioned the strategy of exhaling when you hit your shots. Super interesting. When we were together um, in, in Tampa at Innisbrook Resort, we examined, uh, Jeff and I both actually, um, two lines while uh, Ryan Reed for, Reedy from Two Minute Tennis um, fed balls. We looked at each player and and tried to f- see who was actually exhaling when they hit their shots. And I think there were, I think it was maybe like one or two players out of about 15, which was very, no, sorry, about 10, which was, um, you know, surprising, but, you know, maybe not so surprising, um, you know, kind of. Depending on the levels, you know, there's uh, less of the things that are that should be done uh, that are being done. So, um, but you know, great group there, and it was just so cool though because as soon as we had them exhale when they hit their shots, they were hitting a more relaxed and also b more powerful and deeper shots. So it was it's funny how you know how, how groundbreaking breaking it was even though it's just like a simple concept but you love to see it so yeah exhaling when you hit your shots really will help you it definitely helps me it helps me also to kind of i guess finish my stroke as well so yeah i, I love love exhaling uh and then jorge capistani uh such a great coach as well i think a rare feat I forget if anyone has even done this actually that the um to be the um national coach of the year for both both PTR and USPTA so um well done to Jorge but 
he had mentioned this amazing stat in the very beginning of the, his presentation. He put up the number 78 and he asked, yeah, this was actually a live stream. He asked, um, who or what does this number represent? And some people mentioned like, oh, I think this is the amount of, uh, the percentage of points that end in errors and you know how much of the game is mental and so forth. But the actual answer is that 78 percent represents the percentage of time that you're not playing during a tennis match can you imagine that so 22 percent of the time you're 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 playing 78 percent of the time you're not and this also has big implications for how you train as well this is going on a tangent here but uh, it was a great presentation from dr mark kovacs of the kovacs institute and an international tennis performance association and he mentioned that you know you have to understand how you should be training and you know if your your rest rate your rest to playing ratio is four to one why do you want to be training by by running you know uh five miles which is a uh you know just full-on you know full-on exercise with no rest but then also the intensity is lower you know so but then in a similar vein, to get back to the mental game aspect, which is uh, the purpose of this episode, is that, you know, the 78% of the time you're not playing is an opportunity for you to practice your mental skills, you know, to practice refocusing, and then also to plan how you're going to play the next point. And so a uh, big opportunity there. And then if you want to play more clutch under pressure, then you need to play more pressure points during practice. If you're wondering, pressure points are defined as 30 all or later in a game. So obviously 30-40, deuce, 40-30, add in, add out. Or or um, games-wise, or I should say and uh, games-wise, 4 all or later in a set. So obviously 4 all, 4-5, four, 5-4, five, five, four, five all, etc. And so the best way, again, to train under pressure is to use pressure games. And examples of pressure games would be something like pressure sets, which I actually did with Will last week, and uh, he ended up really enjoying it. It was it was really good. The pressure sets are when you start every game at thirty all, and you start every set at four all. So you can you know you start at four all thirty all, and then you play you know, and and, and there you go. So it's great because you know. Most of the time, we're not playing these pressure points like, you know, we're usually practicing down the middle, some cross courts, maybe even cross court down the line, figure eight drills, whatever, some volleys to baseline and whatever, maybe a tie break. But, you know, we rarely even get to a, a pressure point like when we do uh, practice sets or practice tie breaks. And so then the only time you're actually you know, or, or the majority of the time that you're in pressure points is in a match and you expect yourself to perform well when you don't practice them. I mean, that's uh, borderline a joke, right? So that's why games like 30 all, uh, you know, pressure sets where you start at 30 all. So, okay, immediately under pressure. Oh, crap. If I lose this point, then I'm a uh, break point immediately. Uh, and then things like, oh, it's four all. If I lose this game, like, and I lose another game, I'm I'm toast. 
So it's great to practice, you know, pressure points with this this pressure game. Another pressure game that's great from Jorge um, that he learned from from someone else. It just, you know, I remember he said that, you know, that he didn't create the games or whatever. I'm sure he created some of the games, but I think I remember him saying that he didn't create them all, which, you know, he's a humble guy. Is deuce and done. So that's where you serve two points only. And if you win both points, you get the game. But if the points are split, then neither person gets the game and then the other person serves, you know, you switch, obviously, and so forth. So that's that's really good as well. I mean, these, you know, these deuce moments are extremely pivotal. Sometimes you hear, you know, players say, oh, yeah, you know, I lost 6-2, but we had three deuces or whatever it was. I don't know if I got the math right on that, but, you know, uh, but you've got to practice that, practice those those times. So. Yeah, this Deuce and Dunn game is very good, too. So, yeah, two examples of games that you should definitely try it immediately. And then uh, from Emma Doyle, uh, who's, uh, you know, done a lot of fantastic tennis work and now is um, kind of pivoted to uh, working with um, corporate, you know, I guess corporations and, and uh, you know, the, the individuals there. She mentioned a lot of great points, too. Um, keys to developing your mental game is to reframe and embrace your relationship with pressure. So rather than feeling under pressure, you want to practice under pressure. And it goes back to these pressure games that I just mentioned. And you want to practice your decision making when you're training, because that's what you have to do in a match. You make a lot of decisions. So again, you know, you look at the standard practice on a tennis court, people are doing the cross course, down the middle, whatever, you're not really making that many decisions. And then all of a sudden you jump on a, a, in a tennis match and, you know, the person's like hitting a, a lot of deep ground strokes to your backhand and your backhand's weak. And now uh, what the heck am I going to do here? How do I, you know, turn the, the, the point construction on its head so that I can hit more forehands or, you know, what should I do? The person's rushing the net all the time. Like, you know, if you don't practice these pressure situations, then you won't make optimal decisions because you're not used to making decisions. And then a really powerful technique from Emma is to use an anchor and an affirmation. So an anchor is something physical like a necklace, a racket dampener. For me, it's my gold chains, man. Sorry, that was a gangster moment for me, but... <laughs> And then what you do with this, the, the, your anchor, is that it serves as a physical trigger for you to state your affirmation, which is the second part, obviously, anchor and affirmation. So, you know, when you have that, you can touch that, that anchor, that physical thing that you have, and then you say an affirmation like, I'm ready, I belong here, let's go, you know, things like that. Uh, so I like that technique, you know, just, just having some sort of in-between point routine is really, really helpful, uh, regardless of what it is. And then again, uh, speaking of commonalities, Emma had mentioned that you want to enhance your training environment with pressure games. And similar to Jorge, so uh, one, one game that is sounds super fun and that I'm going to do tomorrow is um, a serve game that Emma had mentioned where you start on 10 points and then you're either going to you know, you're going to play until you either reach 20 or you reach zero. And when you're serving, if you hit a serve in the net, that's minus two. If you hit the serve longer wide, that's minus one. 
if you execute the serve, so actually I should have backed up and said, you know, before you serve, you're going to tell yourself where you're serving. So if you execute the serve that you tell yourself you're going to, you want to execute, then that's plus two. If you hit the serve in, but it's not at the spot where you want to hit it, that's plus one. So that is a very good uh, pressure game rather than just hitting serves, you know, mindlessly, you know, at least you, you know, without targets and whatever. Now this one is great because it combines targets plus whether you're hitting it in or, you know, long, wide in the net, et cetera, executing perfectly. So that, that's a great game. So yeah, I mean, these are the lessons that I really particularly enjoyed from these great coaches. And, you know, I just like sharing what I learned with you all. And I just hope that what I found as super useful and practicable and something to execute on, I hope that you agree. I mean, you don't have to agree, but I hope that you at least find something in there that I mentioned today that you can practice and highly encourage you if something resonated, you know, just to pause and rewind and listen to it again and then write it down and then do it. Uh, Don't just absorb tons of information and just be happy about it and then do nothing and then wonder why nothing is happening in terms of uh, getting your tennis game going to the next level. So yeah, that is pretty much it. Um, you know, I know that some of you probably weren't able to tune in to Tennis Summit 2023, and unfortunately, it is currently closed. You know, after a really fun week and a few days. You know, overall, you know, I had, uh, we had to close it unfortunately. But uh, if you'd like to join the wait list for I. When I open it back up, I may open it back up. You get a lot of demand for that. Just really depends on how many people sign up to the waitlist. So if you join the waitlist and then I decide to open it back up, I will let you know. I don't, I have not always done that, you know, through the years, which this was the seventh year of the summit, which is just wild to me. But you can go to tennisfilesummit.com slash waitlist. That's T-E-N-N-I-S-F-I-L-E-S. S-U-M-M-I-T dot com slash waitlist and just put in your email address there and you'll be all set for me to uh, let you know about that potential opening. And you can also go to the show notes page and go there and I'll have this link up there. So there's that. And yeah, that is pretty much it for the episode. I also would uh, really, uh, (laughs) I said wheelie, (laughs) really appreciate it if you would uh, leave a review for the show. You can do that by going to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts or doing that in his favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. Uh, Apple Podcasts just seems to be the most helpful in that regard in terms of impact on the show's rankings, which is important um, because it you know makes the show uh, more visible in terms of its placement in Apple Podcasts and more people listen to it and stuff. So you help everyone by leaving a review. So that's great. Uh, Thank you in advance. And I just want to leave a quote as I do at the end of every show. And this one is by Lillian Gish. And Lillian said, a happy life is one spent in learning, earning, and yearning. So I have to commend you on already doing uh, some of that in terms of the learning at this point by listening to the podcast. And uh, yeah. Hopefully I sounded coherent. I'm actually recording this uh, close to midnight. So. 
Uh, that's why you may have heard some slurring, but I hope not too much, if any. So yes, uh, now maybe I'll get my editor to help with any of that, <laughs> but I'm sure it's not a big deal either way. So yeah, thanks so much for listening. I look forward to putting out a bunch more content for you, and it's it's been a great ride with Tennis Summit 2023, but now we're back in the swing of things as normal, and it's it's nice in the respect that I'm getting to play more tennis as well, um, you know, playing my various leagues and more practices and and have time for other projects, so that's nice. But enough about me. I would like you to pick one thing from this episode and go put it into practice. Uh, I hope that you are able to level up your uh, mental game that you can take your tennis game to the next level uh, with the help of this episode and other content that I've created and others as well. So with that, have a great one, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is your host, Mirban Aranshad, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.